the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? You lucky team, Mr. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a great question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the second hour of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour is, um, oh, how do I, uh, one of the leading uh, glaucoma specialists in New York City. He is the um, uh, Director of Glaucoma Services and President of Advanced Eye Care of New York. And we're going to talk a little bit about glaucoma with Dr. Daniel LaRoche, who joins me by phone. Hi, doctor. Welcome to the show. Uh, hello. Thank you very much for having me. Um, let's talk about this. I, I had cataract surgery, and, and it was an amazing thing, and uh, I am a real proponent of of looking after your eyes no pun intended but um can you explain what glaucoma is and what the difference is between those are the two terms that we hear most with uh, uh regard to failing eyesight sure um if you touch your eyeball it has a pressure the mean normal eye pressure in individuals is about 15. With age, the lens in the eye becomes larger, and as it becomes larger, it can narrow the drainage angle uh, and or rub up against the iris and cause pigment liberation that blocks off the drain. And that pressure can drift up to 18 or higher. When it starts to go higher than that, it can do some damage to the optic nerve, which is the part of the eye that connects the eye to the brain and can lead to slow loss of peripheral vision that occur over time. So it's very important that people, uh, particularly over the age of 50, get their eyes checked uh, for cataracts, get their eye pressure checked, checked for glaucoma, retinopathy. That's when things like this can go wrong. When you're in your 40s, people start to need reading glasses, and you'll start to hold things further away from you, and that's because the lens is getting a little bit harder and doesn't accommodate as well for you to focus in on things. And so uh, this past January was January Glaucoma Awareness Month, and upcoming March we have World Glaucoma Week where we're educating the population about getting their eyes checked for glaucoma. Well, is, um, are, are these things uh, likely to happen um, in, in all people because of aging, or are there people that are more prone to one or the other or both? Um, yes. The, one of the number one risk factors is aging. It doesn't mean everybody's going to get it, per se, but um, as you get older, the risk of getting it increases. Uh, currently in the United States, there are about 3 million people with glaucoma, and half of the people do not even know that they have it. Um, 
But when people get earlier cataract surgery, um, that helps to also reduce the risk of glaucoma because the, the enlarging lens is removed. Cataract surgery tends to lower the eye pressure and protect your eyes against glaucoma as well. But also people have a genetic predisposition sometimes, particularly if there's a family history of glaucoma. And then there are other secondary things like trauma. If someone has a history of trauma to the eye, that can cause glaucoma. Uh, sometimes uh, if you have a diabetic retinopathy with neovascular glaucoma, that can give you a secondary glaucoma and things of that nature. Well, and I was reading something that's, that that um, indicates glaucoma is the leading cause of blindness in African Americans and people from the the Caribbean. Is um, why why is that exactly? Yeah, in my experience, what I've seen is that. Uh, there's a tremendous lack of access uh, to health care ah. and a disparity in cataract surgery. Uh, African-Americans in the United States have 30% less access to cataract surgery uh, compared to Caucasians. And that's a big factor because taking a lens out um, helps to reduce the risk of getting glaucoma. When you have a large lens in your eye and you have decreased access to cataract surgery, uh, that will further increase the risk. The prevalence of glaucoma is about four times higher in the black community in America and ten times higher rates of blindness. And it's even worse in uh, resource-poor areas like in the Caribbean and sub-Saharan Africa. So in addition to education, it is also we have to increase and diversify the uh, surgical manpower uh, to help... Uh, access patients to earlier surgical care. Is that high rate of blindness in African Americans largely because they don't seek treatment? It's not so much they don't seek treatment. Uh, I think it's more having access to treatment. Uh, we don't really have a universal health care plan in this country, so uh, there are a lot of people uh, without health insurance. Uh, that's part of it. Also, uh, in communities of color, although Legally, we don't have segregation. Many communities still remain segregated. And in uh, many black communities across America, there's a uh, there's sparse medical resources, uh, health care resources, um, eye clinic resources. Uh, for example, there are 40 million African Americans in the United States, but there's only 400 uh, black ophthalmologists in the United States. Uh, so there's a tremendous shortage of, uh, we need to diversify the workforce. Uh, my practice is in Harlem and in South Ke Southeast Queens, which are predominantly African-American, Afro-Caribbean. And so we're able to provide, uh, we have a very busy practice and able to provide a high level of care to the community here. But uh, we, we need to diversify the surgical workforce. How are you able to uh, fund that? And I know that's a little off topic, but I, I, I just suspect that, um, as you've hinted, uh, that a, a lot of African Americans don't have coverage that would include the kind of procedures you're talking about, and and I just wondered, um, you know, what you're what you're finding. Do they have that the health care, or um, are, are you using alternate uh, revenue? Well, well, the thing is, is that in um most health care is tied to employment, okay? Most people, when they're employed, usually they access health care, health insurance to employment, or seniors can access it through the Medicare system over age 65. Uh, but if you're unemployed, which is a high amount of unemployment in the African-American community, particularly after COVID, in some areas could be as high as 
then you don't have access to the uh, health care insurance. Then people can apply for Medicaid if they're eligible, but if you're not eligible for Medicaid, then you, you're sort of in the gap. And health, and unfortunately, Medicaid pays uh, private doctors a much lower rate. It's almost unsustainable. And so many of those patients have to go to clinics. And often in the clinics, you're dealing with student doctors, maybe that aren't experienced of, you know, managing glaucoma surgically. Uh, in that respect, they're not as aggressive with earlier cataract surgery. So generally speaking, I think we need to move more to a universal health care system, like a Medicare for everybody, so everybody could have access to, to good doctors, and that won't be an issue. And I think that would go a long way to reduce health care disparities. Are there things that people can do? You mentioned a little bit earlier, Doctor, that um, that aging increases the risk of, of both uh, uh, cataracts and glaucoma, and, and cataract surgery can, can help stave off the, the risk of glaucoma a little bit. Um, but are there um, things that people can do aside from glaucoma or uh, cataract surgery um, to prevent having problems? And I'm thinking about, you know, risk is a factor in a lot of ailments. <laughs> you know, your chances of heart disease go up and um, all kinds of other uh, uh, problems happen with aging. Um, but some of those things can be uh pushed off by diet, exercise, other things. Are there things that you can do like that that help with eye care? Absolutely. Um, you started to touch upon it. Diet is extremely important. <laughs> is, uh, is, is the carrots thing really true? <laughs> <laughs> Good food is extremely important, okay? Uh, like uh, lots of salads, lots of vegetables, you know, baked chicken, baked fish instead of fried chicken or fried fish drinking lots of water, staying away from sodas uh, in that respect. I mean, that, that provides good nutrition, good antioxidants for your body naturally, uh, and that helps to stop, put off cataracts, put off glaucoma. Exercise is very important. Walking 30 to 60 minutes a day, doing 30 to 60 minutes of exercise a day in any way that you can, um, that helps improve the blood flow throughout your body, including your eyes, and helps to stop, put off uh, glaucoma. And also meditation is very important. Like uh, just meditating, whether it's through yoga, doing uh, 20 to 30 minutes of relaxation a day, breathing exercises, that helps to lower your eye pressure by 20%, your blood pressure by 20%, helps reduce the stress hormones, uh, helps to increase the endorphins uh, as well. So those are all very important things you can do at home, which not only will help your eyes, but help your blood pressure, help prevent diabetes, and a variety of you know, heart disease and things of that nature. But then also it is important uh, at some point because when you are aging, the lens, the configuration of the lens, you know, becomes just like when your hair gets gray, the lens in your eye gets a little bit yellow, it gets a little bit harder, and so there are age-related changes of the lens that can affect your vision and your ability to see. You may need some glasses for reading and or have early cataracts that need to be addressed if your vision is, if you're having some difficulty. And then with the eye pressure, you can't really feel or check the eye pressure. That's the most important reason to go. So you can get your eye pressure checked and the doctor can tell you if it's okay within a normal range and whether or not there's any optic nerve damage because um, by the time you notice optic nerve damage, you could have lost anywhere from 80 to 90% of your vision because it's really insidious and slow onset and you don't feel it. And so 
that's the one reason really get uh, checked as well by eye doctor for glaucoma. I I know when I um, when I had my uh, cataract surgery um, after I healed up, you know, a couple of weeks or however long it was, and I went back and had my eyes tested. They said my my eyesight was twenty twenty but that I might still need reading glasses. And I was really perplexed by that. Um, and and it, it was explained to me, and I want to make, I, I guess this is sort of my, my version of getting a second opinion, is, <laughs> is that you, when you get older, um, the way the muscles in your eyes and in, in the lens and all of that, the way they work and the way you process light is different. So you may have to use reading glasses for some close-up things, uh, um, even even though your eyes have been repaired. Uh, well, let, let me give you a little background. When you're younger in your 20s, the lens is able to be flexible. So you okay. can focus for distance intermediate and near and it's it's you know it's softer it's able to be focused the uh the ciliary processes that hold the lens in position can move and it's very dynamic but when you get to 40 you sort of lose that dynamic activity things get the lens gets harder uh and the zonules don't move as well and so that's when you start to need the reading glasses to to make up for that when you get the cataract where the lens gets yellow and starts to block your vision then you have to remove the lens and put a lens in now, you do have a choice of lens implants. Your insurance will often co cover what's called a monofocal lens, okay? And that's usually you aim for either distance or you can aim it for near. If someone has a preference, you can have that conversation with your doctor, and they can make an adjustment. But that monofocal lens would be clear at one distance. Uh, most of the time, it's usually distance that we go for in patients, but there are sometimes patients say, well, I want to be able to just read without glasses, and then we would aim for a more near vision where they can see without glasses, but they're going to need glasses for distance. There is a new lens out called a multifocal lens that has different rings in it that's able to focus light at different distances. So you can see both distance, intermediate, and a reading with those multifocal lenses. But it does have a side effect where at night, like when you're driving and you see headlights, instead of seeing one headlight in a car, you may see like eight, eight rings around the car. And you'll see like glare and halos at night. So if someone's doing a lot of night work or night activity, that might not be the lens for them because they may get a lot of glare. But if you're just doing a lot of daytime activities, you don't get that type of glare and you can't really get that benefit of all three areas of distance, intermediate, and reading close up. But those lenses are not covered by insurances. Usually they're premium lenses that can cost anywhere from two to $5,000, depending on who's doing it. Um, my guest is Dr. Daniel LaRoche. He is the uh, president of Advanced Eye Care of New York. And, Doctor, I have to take a short break here, but I'd love to talk about this some more. Can you stick around for a few minutes? Sure. Okay. Um, if you're listening to us on uh, WFOV 92.1 FM in Flint, our Voices Radio is a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my good friend Paul Herring. Uh, we're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well, and we'll be back to talk more about... Uh, 
blindness and eye Everybody's health doing straight ahead. Brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Say, objection. Hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just, um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So, listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. 
Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We uh, continue my conversation with uh, Dr. Daniel LaRoche from uh, Advanced Eye Care of New York. We've been talking about glaucoma and preventing blindness in uh, people of color and and a lot more. And um, Dr. LaRoche joins me by phone. Doctor, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. It's okay. Thank you. Um I meant to. I, I wanted to mention earlier, and I didn't get to it. But you uh, have written a book uh, for young adults called "How to Become a Successful Black Man." But I'll, uh, the book is is more than that. It it educates and empowers young boys and men of African descent about their history, heritage, and legacy. And you are. Uh, very concerned about addressing health and wealth disparities um, and and I wanted to get a chance to talk about that a little bit although you um, you experience it a lot with eye care because that's what you specialize in but uh, you know you as you mentioned you you run a uh, clinic or practice in Harlem and you see these issues up close every day um why why are we still experience experiencing such disparity with regard to uh people of color in in communities all over the country whether it's uh whether it's it's preventing glaucoma or getting uh, uh surgeries eye surgeries or or even things like vaccine, um, getting vaccine and treatments uh, relative to COVID-19. Wow. That, that question has a lot in that question. Well, I wanted to give uh, you something to work with, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my goodness. Each of the points you made is like a you know, five-minute conversation there. Um, let's see. Where do I begin? Okay, I'll probably start out with the book. You started, You mentioned the book that I wrote. And so basically, my concern, when I was training over the last uh, 25 years in medicine, uh, after segregation was over, um, and when I was in medical school and during my you know, teaching and training, over the last 25 years, every ethnic uh, uh, minority group has increased their numbers in medicine, except for black men. The number of black men went down over the last 25 years. Okay, women increased. Women make up now 50% of doctors before they were very little. Uh, Asians have increased. And other minority groups have increased, Hispanics, but black men have gone down. Also, um, over the past year, uh, about 100 young black rappers have been killed at the hands of other black men. And so because of these two things, I was, that was very disturbing to me to see that. And so that's what, you know, sort of stimulated me to write the book. And in the book, um, I talk about 
uh, some of the history that's not taught in the schools uh, uh, in terms of how our civilization started in Africa uh, 3.2 million years ago. The first woman, Bones, was Dinkanesh, meaning you are marvelous in Africa. How civilization started in the Nile Valley. Uh, the first uh, author of the first book was Patahotep, and uh, he wrote the maxims of Patahotep. That was an African who wrote the first book. Uh, the first doctor was Imhotep. That was an African. He wrote, he wrote the first medical textbook. And uh, the, the textbook is now called the Edwin Smith Papyrus in a vault at the New York Academy of Medicine. Also, uh, in terms of construction and uh, mathematics and building, the, the pyramids, uh, they were built by an African family in the Nile Valley. Uh, you know, you see on TV, they say, Aliens built the pyramids, but that's not really true. <laughs> uh, that's not really true. In fact, yeah, but it's first, fun to imagine. Yeah, but <laughs> but, but actually, you know, it, it, it sort of disrespects the culture and the civilization. Agreed. Of teaching people, you know, the fact that African family built the pyramids. Um, uh, it was a uh, grand grandfather, uh, son, grandson, and great grandson. Seneferu, um, he built three pyramids. The first two he failed, and the third was the Red Pyramid. That was the first flat-sided pyramid. And then his son, Khufu, built the Great Pyramid of Giza. And then Khufu had two sons, uh, Khafre and Menkare. Uh, excuse me, Khafre, who built the uh, large pyramid next to the Sphinx, and Jedef Rose built the pyramid 20 miles away, but that was destroyed subsequently by um, the Arab invaders who used the material to build mosques. And then Khufu, uh, Khafre's son, Menkari, built the third pyramid that still stands today as one of the seven wonders of the world. And so, you know, so in terms of some of that history, uh, some of the moral compass from back then, uh, back then, like the laws of Ma'at, there were 42 laws of Ma'at. It's probably a little bit too long for me to get into right now, but there was like a good moral compass in terms of how to live your life, uh, you know, to into trouble and to uh, do the right thing and incorporate that spirituality within you and everything that you do from schoolwork to family life to work and ethics. And so if everybody followed that, there'd be no one in the jails and everybody would sort of get along. And so uh, I wanted to share that legacy and give some pearls for success, to, you know, in that respect. So th th that was the reason why I wrote the book and provided the, that guidance there. Well, I, I think that's tremendous. And it's um, in, important to learn a aspects of history. And, and you kind of touched on, on something, uh, maybe not intentionally, but I, I was thinking about asking if this if if some of the health disparity we see especially with regard to african-american men if it's how much of it is systemic that you know that that the systems uh health care and health care insurance um, aren't available or accessible and how much of it is cultural because we hear a lot about, you know, men don't go to the doctor. And I just wonder if if that's 
true and maybe possibly truer among African Americans. I think I think I think it's a combination of both. Okay. I know that when you to have good health, you have you know good health is associated with wealth. The major wealth racial in the United States, the average net worth of a white family is one hundred seventy one thousand dollars. The average net worth of a black family is only seventeen thousand dollars. That's a tenfold difference. That's huge. It is huge. So that's going to, you know, create disparities in terms of health healthcare you can access. Okay. Also, there is a, a tremendous structural um, barriers and structural poverty, structural housing disparities, educational disparities, criminal justice disparities, workforce disparities that also contribute as well, in addition to the insurance. And so, you know, although we've written laws against segregation and legal uh, segregation and disparities, you know, it, it takes time to really dismantle some of these systems and, and equate and, and get equilibrium uh, to get better access. But slowly, surely we have to work that to make our country healthier and more productive. Uh, universal health care insurance will be a step in that way. Increasing the national minimum wage to $15 an hour will help to go that and reduce poverty. I mean, there's some places in the country where minimum wage is about $7. I mean, I, I don't know how people are living on $7, much less get health insurance like that. So um, these are some of the solutions that would, would help with that. There are some cultural things where some men in certain cultures, they think they're fine and they don't have to go to the doctor. Uh, but I think we're breaking those barriers with better education in that respect. But, uh, you know, increasing healthcare access is going to be is very, very important. And would it would it help if if African-American men or <laughs> their wives and children <laughs> would drag them to clinics? Um, are, are th what I want to get at is. How can people that don't haven't historically had access to the kind of of health care that you prescribe for preventing blindness let's let's say um, how can they monitor their eye health um, when there are so many barriers? Are there clinics are there places if they look around? that they can go and, and what they, should they do to take better care of themselves? Yes, I mean, once again, try to get health insurance your employer if possible. Um, if you are unemployed and you meet that Medicaid level, you can apply for Medicaid insurance. Uh, some doctors do take Medicaid and our clinics that take Medicaid that give you access to care. If you fall in between and you don't have access to that, the American Academy of Ophthalmology has an Eye Care America program. You can contact them. And once you give them your information, uh, they will assign a doctor to you locally in your community. We can get a free eye examination, comprehensive eye examination. Uh, so that's another opportunity. So there are ways uh, to get access to care. And we also charge reasonable prices. We don't charge very expensive prices as well. And so people can you know, get affordable care from us as well within the community. Uh, because everything does have a cost. I mean, we have office over expenses and things of that nature. Sure. But... Um, there are ways to be done to get that done, and we just have to, you know, we just want people to be aware of it. And I'm glad you're highlighting that in your show to educate people about the importance of eye health and eye care access. Well, that's that's the thing. Um, if I mean, we know that there are 
communities, especially uh, in urban settings where people of color and in different ethnicities um, in in their neighborhoods, in their direct communities, um, we we hear about things like food deserts, you know, access to to good, healthy food options is scarce in some of these communities. Uh, certainly access to clinics and hospitals um, is difficult. Transportation is an issue for some. So I, I guess what I'm getting at is um, what are people like yourself doing to make sure that people who haven't had access can get access? Are there websites that, that people might go to or um, resources that people can um, access to figure out how to get over some of those barriers? Well, I mentioned some of the things already in yeah. terms of what I'm doing. Uh, well, you know, when I finished my training, I was aware of many of these issues, and so I opened up my offices, you know, in these communities that were underserved, uh, and I had a high minority population I knew was going to have a lot of uh, issues that need to be addressed. And so when I opened up my practice in Harlem and in Southeast Queens, uh, I, I brought uh, Fifth Avenue iClear to Jamaica Avenue and Uptown. And so uh, also I, own, I purchased the building so that I can have uh, my practice secured because a big thing sometimes is sometimes gentrification where people or big business comes in and they raise the prices up and they move people out and they cancel the rents. And I didn't want that to happen to me. So I was able to purchase the building so that I could keep my practice here and not have to be worried about moving out anywhere. And so that stabilized the practice. So we've been able to be here for 25 years and uh, provide uh, services to the community. And uh, not only do we provide eye care, but a lot of times we're like the point front line for medical care because they say, oh, I can't see something happening I couldn't see, and we take care of the eyes. I'm like, well, when was the last time you went to a medical doctor? Oh, I've not, I've not been to a medical doctor maybe 10 years ago, and, and then before I do any surgery or anything like that, I always get a medical clearance, and then you'd be surprised. Uh, when I get the medical clearance, sometimes that blood pressure, is, the blood pressure is off the roof in terms of the numbers or the sugar is very high. Sure. I've had a couple of people that were about to have a heart attack, and just getting that medical clearance sort of saved them and get their heart stabilized. And so um, we try to plug people into the system, educate people uh, and in terms of, uh, and like I said, it, with health insurance, we don't have a universal national plan. Uh, which I think we should. That would make things easier. Like other places like England and France and all these other places that have universal plans, Canada as well. Uh, but here it goes state by state. The rules are different in different states and the regulations are different in that respect. So people have to look up on their government, uh, uh, New York State Department of Health website and see what the options are. And usually uh, most states have a sort of Medicaid program that, that can like a safety net. Uh, so, some states may not as much. And so uh, that goes by state by state and uh, 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 state by state laws and, and things of that nature and policies. Um, for some people that, that have been able to take advantage of uh, Obamacare, or as you um, mentioned earlier, Doctor, um, Medicaid 
Um, there, there are expanded Medicaid programs in a number of states around the country, which is sort of connected to the Affordable Care Act in, in some ways. Um, but people have become familiar with the idea of having a primary care physician. They may not be going to all the specialists that they probably need to see, but they, they have an idea. Are, are the things that we were talking about earlier, glaucoma and uh, cataracts and, and other things to do with eye health and, and really health in general, are these things that they should um, be bringing up to a primary care physician during a, a regular checkup or physical? Absolutely. Um, absolutely, because if people have hypertension or diabetes, um, high blood pressure, or even uh, some other systemic issue that's being addressed. Many of these times you can have eye findings or ocular manifestations. It's important to make sure that you get an eye check to make sure everything is okay because there's so many things that we can do nowadays with laser treatment, with injections to help preserve vision. With Obviously, we have new anti-VEGF treatments to help preserve vision. Uh, with glaucoma, with this earlier cataract surgery and microinvasive surgery, which is, you know, revolutionized with glaucoma. It's a 15-minute procedure that can help get you off of eye drops for glaucoma. Uh, there are some laser treatments for glaucoma that can be used as well. And so there's a variety of different things that we can offer to pick up things early and, uh, and, and intervene early to preserve people's vision because people are living longer and longer. And by uh, taking good care of your health, yourself and getting preventive checkups uh, from your primary care doctor, from your eye doctor, uh, that help go a long way for you and the, the elderly people around you. Uh, we all have parents or grandparents or uncles, and you want them to live a healthy, productive life and, so, uh, and be able to maintain their vision for as long as possible. And so we can do, reduce rates of blindness and improve the quality of people's lives with, with good uh, diet, exercise, and uh, health care. You know, I know of a case just recently where an elderly person um, had had suffered uh, a very minor stroke that caused uh, vision difficulty in uh, her left eye. And she didn't complain about the eye right away, and so she ended up losing significant a significant amount of sight in that eye because she didn't get to an eye care professional quickly enough. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, things like a high eye pressure, which you don't feel, you know, like I told you, the mean normal intraocular pressure is about 15, and if you're walking around and your pressure is 24 or 25 with a normal corneal thickness, that can lead to a stroke in your eye that could take the vision away. Uh, you know, and you won't know that. And, and then when a stroke happens, you may not be able to get your vision back. So the, some of these things can potentially be prevented. Well, and that's and that's why I wanted to bring that up was was uh, to stress and and to give you an opportunity to stress with people how important it is to react quickly when they notice something doesn't seem right. Yes. Now, you, you mentioned also before something about vaccination. Yeah. And uh, so I'll just speak about that briefly. Um, unfortunately, 
African Americans are being vaccinated at a lower rate compared to other groups. Uh, we're behind by about five to seven points from the Asian population. And the Asian population is highly vaccinated by over 90% vaccinated. Uh, and so um, they're doing very well with that. And unfortunately, within the community, there's a lot of fear, mistrust of the government, sure. from Tuskegee experimentation, and also some misinformation that's being put out there. Uh, so some groups are putting out bad information about the vaccine, saying there's toxic material in it, it's not good, it's for depopulation, and a bunch of, uh, you know, do your own research. But when they're doing their own research, they're going to the wrong websites uh, to get information, and there's a lot of negative information out there. So one thing I would just say is that uh, the vaccination uh, has been around for many, many years. Uh, we've used vaccines for measles, mumps, uh, polio, and you hardly see any of those diseases around the planet today because of vaccination. And so uh, with the vaccination now for the COVID virus, uh, when people are vaccinated and they are boosted, uh, they have a much, much lower death rate, significantly, dramatically lower death rate and dis decreased risk of severe disease in the hospital. That doesn't mean you're not going to get COVID. You can still get COVID, but you may be asymptomatic or it could be just like a mild cold as opposed to a full-blown respiratory distress disease that can kill you and or give you long COVID with residual breathing problems for one or two months after requiring oxygen. So I encourage everyone to get vaccinated, Okay. And uh, and when the boosters come out to get your booster as well, when you're eligible for the booster, you will not regret it. We've already seen many people who've been anti-vaccine pass away. We've already seen that. That's true. You can just Google it, and you'll see it. And these are people that didn't have to pass away, but they, they passed away. Now, there's a couple of exceptions. Now, for example, Colonel Powell. He was vaccinated, but he also had underlying cancer. He had, like, mm -hmm. a blood cancer that, you know, really destroyed his whole immune system. And he was, like, 80 years old, which is a super high-risk category. And so, you know, it's not 100% perfect, but it, it works significantly well. And the other thing is, for the young folks, usually we're, you know, young folks are around older folks at some point in time. Okay, at some point in time, whether it's your parents, your family, maybe people you work with, and you want to protect the older folks, okay? Because the older folks, although over 60, those are going to be the higher risk people that have the higher death rate. The death rate amongst the younger folks is much less. And so the thing is you want to protect the older folks. And if you go to Iceland, Iceland's like nearly 100% vaccinated, and they have had like no deaths for several months. And when you ask someone from Iceland, well, why did you get the vaccine? They'll say, oh, it's because it's my civic duty to get the vaccine. And so, you know, it's very important that we have more of that civic duty to get the vaccine here in this country. But we're not seeing that. Unfortunately, people are politici <coughs> excuse me, politicizing this, uh, politicizing the mandate and in the name of so-called freedom and not really following the science, which is very unfortunate. It is. And unfortunately, a lot of people have died unnecessarily and gotten really sick with long COVID unnecessarily. Dr. LaRoche, we have to end it there. I've got about 40 seconds left, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they might find out more about you and, and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website you'd like to share? 
Oh, thank you. Yes. Uh, my website is www.advancedicarenny.com. I also have a YouTube page, uh, Daniel LaRoche YouTube. I have a lot of medical videos there, lectures, uh, educational videos as well. And so, you know, that's where people can go. Thank you. Well, doctors, thank you for uh, sharing your time and expertise with me and the listeners, and keep up the good work. Thank you so much for having me and uh, shedding a light. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing right, Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, 
table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. From the Tom This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Fine, fine welcome. And... It's certainly very gratifying to know that you feel this way and that you people have accepted my being able to sub for Johnny this week because it seems to have caused quite a bit of difficulty around here at NBC. Uh, earlier this evening, I was in Johnny's dressing room and one of the wardrobe mistresses walked by and she sticks her head in the door, she sees me and she says, What are you doing in Johnny Carson's dressing room? <laughs> Said if he catch you in here, this is the last time you're going to be on this show. <laughs> So I'm very glad. <laughs> I'm very glad that you feel that. We'll, we will, during the course of the week, find some way to overcome her problem and firmly convince her that NBC, without a doubt, has established within everyone's mind that it is the full color network. <laughs> it's fun for me. It's this. This entire week is going to be fun. I've looked forward to it, and uh, in fact, to stand here and act so cool. I'm excited. I'm not nervous, I'm excited. In the dressing room, I felt good. I was thinking, you know, just different ways of expressing the enthusiasm, and I was saying to myself, Woo! <laughs> <laughs> well, it's made me think back. This is a long way from where I started. You know, I used to work in a drive-in movie. That's right, it was really rough. But it was fun. It was a hard job, but it was fun. I used to go around and shine the light in the car, tell people when the picture's over. <laughs> I got $25 a week and all I could see. <laughs> I'd walk around and say, the picture's over, the picture's over. <laughs> I tried a lot of things. I tried a lot of things. I feel that I'm prepared to assume the responsibility for, well, this job. This is, well, this job is like, uh, I feel like this job is like being at a weenie roast with me being the weenie. <laughs> I just threw that in, you know? Like, uh, yes, yes. I, I tried a lot of things. You know, coming along, I, uh, during my younger years, I tried, uh, I operated my own business. It was a lemonade stand, you know? And uh, it was doing pretty good. It, the way it went is I had a big sign over the lemonade stand called Flip's Lemonade, all you can drink for a dime. No, well, that was great, and it was going on pretty well. But then you always run into a wise guy, you know? One day a guy comes up to Stan, he says, uh, 
Is this lemonade as good as everybody says it is? And I said, you better believe it. This lemonade is just as good as what your mother used to make. And the guy said, hmm, that gotta be some very good lemonade. <laughs> I said, and in addition to that, I give you all you can drink for a dime. You can't beat that. So let me tell you how I fix this lemonade. I put extra sugar in the glass. So that when you turn the glass up to drink it, the lemonade starts swirling around and that makes the sugar swirl and lemonade gets sweeter as you go down. You know, as it goes down, it makes it taste better. And uh, then the lemonade is very cold. I put extra ice in the pitcher and then I pack the pitcher in the ice. I said, yeah, that's all right. He said, uh, give me a glass. So I gave him a glass. And uh, he says, I'll have another glass. I said, well, that'll be another dime. He said, now, hold on. He said, the sign says all you can drink for a dime. I said, but you had a glass, didn't you? And I said, yes. I said, well, that's all you can drink for a dime. <laughs> caught on to that pretty quick, so I, I kind of cut the lemonade business loose, and I've worked toward tonight. And uh, during the course, now let me say, things are going to be a little different with Johnny not here. The whole purpose of the show is fun. We're going to try to have as much fun, you know, but other things will be different, such as uh, during the course of my opening spot, I'll eliminate Johnny's genuine, authentic golf swing. We won't have that this week. No, I wouldn't infringe upon the man's right to open, you know, that, that's not, that's his swing. You know, I swing another way. I got my own way. <laughs> but uh, if, if Johnny's looking in tonight, I was thinking of some way. I don't play golf myself. Well, the ball is too small. If the ball was a little larger, I'd play. Uh, but in the elevator, at the hotel I'm staying at, coming up on the elevator, I heard two guys discussing the game, and I thought it was a pretty amusing conversation. One fellow says to the other, he said, uh, say, George, he said, how's your golf game coming? George said, it's all right. It's all right. Well, I said, you should be pretty good. You and Freddie playing every other day. George said, look, said, don't mention Freddie's name to me. He said, I don't want to talk about Freddie. You understand? So don't bring his name up to me. Well, I said, but you and Freddie are such good friends. You guys play golf every other day. George said, well, not anymore. So well, what happened? I said, look, I said, do you want to play with a guy who cheats on the score? Want to play with a guy who cheats? A guy who, if he makes a hole in one, he's going to take off two? You want, to play with, you want to play with a guy who, who steals your clubs while you're watching the ball because somebody's already got your bag? <laughs> Did you want to play with a guy who'll run through the clubhouse yelling, burn, baby, burn? <laughs> Did you want to play with a guy like that? And the fellow said, heck no. He said, well, neither do Freddie. <laughs> This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 